please, guys, go onto YouTube AEW if you didn't see the buy-in match between Serena D versus Rio for the NWA Women's World's title. Please give yourself that, that gift. Please just do that. It's, yeah, I completely agree. Again, it, it's it's in a discussion for it. For me, it's one of the two best matches of the night. We'll talk about the other one uh, in a few minutes. Uh, I will only like to add this. I do think one of the, the issues that most book companies, not just say WWE has the same problem, has with um, booking foreign talent is that, especially it seems like uh, Japanese women are kind of just have their gimmick is that they're Japanese and they're really good at wrestling. Yeah, which is the, why, yeah. which is why it's so hard for they always when, once they do become champions they get relegated to as you said kind of like this, the, the the secondary focus right the focus is on their opponents because they see they're seen as more quote unquote interesting characters. I mean, Oscar yeah. has probably the most personality of anyone that they booked, but even her personality is just oh she's just a dominant female champion who likes yeah. that. Yeah, and I and I, th- and I think unfortunately that's just our xenophobia. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just us not being or I, well let me let me not put that on on us as as one of us you know being a first generation the other being an immigrant american uh it's on the that that's just the ignorance of the of the people running the companies who don't have the skill set mentally to be creative enough to book these people and showcase their personalities appropriately i will say this um AEW did a pretty good job with the Kawashita by having her talk in certain instances and all that other stuff, you know, but yeah, it's like, you know, I just don't need, you know, you have these, you bring in these Japanese women and they're just really good at wrestling and they have to smile. And it's like, okay. You know, when, when some of them can speak English and honestly educate your, educate the goddamn audience to hear someone with an accent, speak English. It's not the like, it's like these, some of these athletes, yeah, they may have insecurities on speaking English. You know why they have insecurities on speaking English in front of you people is because you guys sit there and say, I can't hear them. I don't know what they're saying. No, you do know what they're saying. You just have to open your ears. Whereas I've learned most Americans, when they uh, listen to someone, they actually listen to someone through their mouth, not through their ears. You need to listen through your ears. Um, But we need to educate the audience by putting the microphone in these people's hands and letting them talk of what they're able to say and do and get accustomed to that and have that be understood that, hey, man, there are varying degrees of a what's considered a good promo like that, that even the good promo, that's that's a fallacy there because you're not letting foreigners speak in some instances. And when you do, you're like, oh, it seems kind of robotic and rich. No, it's not. No, it's not. Just let them speak. Let them have their they let Hakaru Shida speak and it was fine. It was perfectly fine in the moments they had her speak because they've let her showcase herself a little bit. But even that was insufficient. I agree. And it, it felt like, again, it was kind of done last minute. Like they gave, they have to be giving her more promos and more celebrations. Like, right, last minute. right. Just like, oh, wow, we really did not. We've just been saying she's good at wrestling. She's a dominant champion, but we really gave her nothing to work with. Let's give like, her, the, let's give her the new belt so she can drop it two days later. Right. So, you know, exactly. this is the, this, the type of, this is the shit I'm talking about. So that was like, I was, I, it was a good match. I was not pleased with it. Uh, has nothing to do with the, those two mm-hmm. in particular, just the buildup for it. It was just, it did a disservice to the champion. And, and I, I'm, I'm glad the audience had enough decency to say, thank you, Sheeta. While, um, while the commentators were talking. Um, we she was the baby face. She was the baby face. Also, she's the baby face. You people cheered the heel. The hell's wrong with you.
Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you in our recorded glory once again to Give Me the Book, your weekly wrestling podcast. My name is Mike Alloy. Guys, you are also graced with the presence of the El Guapo of professional wrestling commentary and stand-up comedy. Satoyo, thank you so much for being here. We are recording this on Memorial Day. We hope you are, everybody is having a great long weekend. Hopefully you are lucky enough to have a long weekend and you get to enjoy your time off from work. Um, going to give everybody a shout out who is listening to us. We will try to put this episode out to later on today as well. So last night was double or nothing, uh, a big deal, a big deal for AEW, a big deal for wrestling community as a whole. Overall, I thought it was a very good pay-per-view. Maybe, you know, but as per always with pay-per-views, the big ones when they end, they sometimes get overhyped, sometimes they get trashed for no reason. And, you know, you had kind of both extremes. I thought it was a very good show overall. What do you think, Satara? I thought it was a great show. I thought um, I thought so far it's been the best live audience we've seen of the year, but there's been less than a handful of them. So, But the, the audience was just, the, the crowd was so hot. I mean, the crowd really... Um, AEW has done a good job during this pandemic of really maximizing their minutes with uh, not being able to have a lot in terms of live audience. And uh, they really paid off. And you could see they paid off because of how invested the fans were in this. It's not just a matter of, yay, we're so happy to be outside again. It was a matter of you guys have given us stories that we have gravitated for for so long and now the payoff is we're here and we're going to show you how into this we are i do wonder what the overlap is between the current aw fans and the nxt fans before i guess aw launched because the a the, the vibe at aw shows feels very much like nxt takeover vibes yeah i get the uh, to, yeah it's a good thing i mean to me i get more to me the aw crowd honestly kind of reminds me more of like a an ecw crowd from like 97 to 99 honestly um, in terms of like an established home base, the crowd is very, very knowledgeable and uh, while not nearly as violent uh, and, and hostile as the ECW crowd, they're so organic and um, they can make things happen as they need to like they pay attention to everything and then respond to it as such, uh, but in a positive way. It wasn't one of those crowds where it's like the you fucked up, you fucked up type nonsense. Nah, we're here to watch pro wrestling and all of this matters and is real. So I, I understand that the NXT crowd has a, has a bit of that in there as well. But I mean, I think this crowd had more of the energy of, an, of a prime ECW crowd. That's fair. I think the, the product also reflects it as well. Obviously, AW uh, has some edge to it and they enjoy it. Some of it, in my opinion, personally, is a little cartoonish. I don't need your five baby faces, including a 50-year-old Republican flipping off the camera. Mm-hmm. As they stand in the end, I thought that was right. a little silly well, from my end, but you know, yeah. some people are into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the 40 something year old Republican also flipping off the camera and Jake Hager. That's right. So, you know, that's a little okay. Uh, you know, you're playing a character now, but again, they, they enjoy their blood, they enjoy their guts, if you will. And uh, again, there's nothing wrong with it. I do, as long as the product is good, which it has been for the most part. Um, I enjoyed the pay per view, I thought it was very good. Uh, there was a part of me that think it's I think it was a tiny bit of a book that I posted on our Twitter. Uh, of the first six matches, five of them had interference, and one of them was a, a battle royale, which just a little much, man. Maybe just, like, let people wrestle, which is why, I like, uh, the first match that I really, really, like, popped for personally was the Sting match. Part of it was because it was just a good to get a match with a clean finish. No interference, yeah. no nonsense. And part of it was because 
you had uh, heels who were booed and and babyfaces that were cheered, which is not really a dynamic that was in any other previous six matches, to be honest with you. So, so here's where here's, the crowd so, do what they were supposed to do. So here's why I will disagree with you vehemently. Mm-hmm. All of that is incorrect. Um, <laughs> all of it is wrong. Um, in that you are correct in the tag match and the fun of that tag match. Uh, like I said, I did not need to see Sting wrestle. He's my favorite wrestler of all time. I believe the best baby face there's ever been in professional wrestling for the sake of honesty and argument. He's probably top three. Um, uh, he looked amazing. Uh, 62 years old, showing up in that type of shape. I give Sting credit. He got off the roids in the early 90s and just always kept himself in fantastic shape. Um, they all It was a collaborative effort. Sting's always had, to me, the coolest counters to the to get you in the scorpion death drop when appropriate and that was there that was perfectly evident as well but you would be incorrect in your assertion mike alloy that it was scorpio sky and ethan page that were the first team to be booed or the first of heels to be booed uh definitively all night actually that i i do believe i have to give that award to anthony agogo now while not nearly as over as them because he had only had two matches going into that. He was a clear, clear heel. Uh, and actually, I mean, I give him credit. He, he, he over-delivered. I was very, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. No, I agree with you on that, actually. The only the problem with that is I was cheering for him at home. Exactly. That's where, you, that's where, we had that's the, where yes. I'm sure a lot yes. of people were watching at home. So yes, that was because he was, yeah. In, in, in front of the crowd, I agree. And that was actually, and I, I would not be surprised if it was booked by the same person or the same people you know obviously there's a split and uh or at least supposedly in aw so i would not be surprised if the sting and the darby allen matches and cody matches kind of worked on by the same personnel because it did feel more like your traditional wrestling both as Mm -hmm. far as little interference clean matches i know qt marshall interfered for a little bit but you don't factor into the finish yeah, I think that's definitely and that I could definitely see that being a nightmare factory collaborate. I could definitely see Arn in that um, because Sting's been a babyface virtually his entire career, which means that generally, especially when he was younger, you know, back then the heel called the match. And when you're the babyface, you know what to do, but the heel is the one directing the show, the crescendo, when to get him high, low, and everything like that. So uh, yeah, I could definitely see that. And I know uh, uh, Sting trust Arn. And I think probably by extension, Sting trusts Cody. So uh, there's a there's a big bit of that in there as well. I, I do, you know, to the to the to the statement of all these matches having interference. I actually I actually will agree with you. I don't think it's that big a deal, but I do agree with you. But I, I'm trying to understand. I think I understand why it happens. Whereas in New Japan, they're faction heavy. Ring of Honor, faction heavy. Um you know, even to a lesser extent, the NWA faction heavy, uh, TNA prize, maybe even them violent by the pretty faction heavy. So there's a good understanding within pro wrestling that you're going to have, you can't have all these guys just running about by themselves. It generally doesn't work that way, right? Like it can happen for a time. You could have a Steve Austin, but even then he kind of had his little faction. So it always winds up happening to some degree. I mean, like, yeah, no one was immune. The rock had a faction, right? So, uh, but I believe that we're in New Japan, there's less interference independent of the uh, the invention of the Bullet Club. New Japan is also very, uh, 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 their pro wrestling is very judo based. So it's very much the strong style of the fighting spirit, whatever, whatever. You know, AEW is still very American. So you're going to have the interference. And I think that for establishing these guys, when it's like we only do a couple pay-per-views a year or a few pay-per-views a year, everyone's got to get their shit in. 
So it's kind of like you have to see QT. You have because QB like we have to, you know, and, 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 and to your point that can sort of extinguish the drama and lessen the impact as time goes along. I think for them, they're still very much feeling this thing of we have to give these guys something to do and they have to contribute so they don't find themselves in a situation where they're like, I'm not doing anything, which has been which will happen. That's still going to happen because it's pro wrestling. Like there is going to be disgruntled people in AEW. But I think they are trying to follow the WWE model of we can't have guys not doing anything for too long. They have to get their stage time. They've got to get on screen. They've got to find these little moments to get themselves over to contribute with whatever the, the match is. Sure. But at the same time, there's there, especially when you only have four big shows in a year, there's there should be a certain uh, level of finality, right? There's a certain of um, in, in those matches, they should mean something. Whereas, for example, within Brian, the, the first match, Brian Cage and, and Adam Page, I thought they had a great match, but in the end of the day, I still do not cannot tell you who is a better wrestler between them. Two. Oh, well, of course you, you can't. Can. No, huh? you know why? You know why you can't? Because that shit was WWE 2K19. <laughs> they like <laughs> they all they all had their special moves. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's well, why you can't tell who the better wrestler is. That's, I'm not going to criticize them for that. That everybody has their special move, and there's a thing. And honestly, I'm entertained by it. They do them well. Sure, but but, but that but that that didn't have too much to do with uh, Team Task because they've already been building that story of dissension for a couple months now. So that was all they are. I mean, it, it would kind of be dishonest of them to not continue that story and the booking of that story in that way. Also, it's their first show back back in front of a live audience. They were going to do this. Uh, but more to your point, that could be a more long-term issue. I don't see this being a one and done from them. I hope not, because again, that, that's my only point, right? Especially when with the build for this match essentially is very sure. it's based, right? It's like, hey, which one of these is better? Which one of these is the number one contender? And in the end, okay, Adam uh, Page got his win back, but mm -hmm. neither one of the matches was clean. Again, he got attacked, Team Taz, uh, in the first match. Second match, uh, Brian Cage was distracted by Team Taz, and he got, you know, he was able to hit him with a box shell area. Again, and, and it's kind of, it's just, it's, it's a little frustrating, especially, like I said, when it's like match after match after match after match, we keep seeing these interferences. That's all, it, it just, it ruins my enjoyment a tad bit, a little bit. I still enjoyed it. I thought the opener was hot. I thought, you know, um, Adam Page, it's kind of, kind of, you know, becoming like, uh, I guess, I don't know, the Drew McIntyre, so, so to speak. Of, uh, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's their he's star. Just, like, super over, and, yep. and they're the perfect guy to kind of, you know, get yeah. be the first one out to get yeah. the fans cheered and excited, and, and he keeps having really good matches on their big shows. Yeah, um, he's, their, he's, their, he's their sting from, like, 89 to where, yeah. you know, you put the world TV title on him, and then you put him out first or third, and it doesn't – he just – he gets a crazy, crazy pop. And he's very young and athletic. I mean, he's, you know, he should be a world champion at some point, in theory. And, and to be fair, yeah, and he he does, he, I mean, obviously, again, this is, as you said, the first big crowd. He got a huge crowd pop, yeah. as, as they were supposed to. So, again, they were supposed to. Uh, the unbox match, again, I thought it was just a little bit too uh, tornado uh, tag for me. Just like there was just like, no five-second rule. That five-second rule was dead in AEW. Um but I, I, I do love them healing up. I love John Moxley being bloody, and I love the homage to uh, the Stone Cold and Bret Hart match with the yep. you know bloody Moxley, Moxley yeah. and the sharpshooter. Um, love the whole storyline with this, them stealing the shoes and take the socks, you yeah. know all that, yeah. all that stuff. Um, yeah. I thought you know Eddie Kingston was a little bit dead for a while. Like, it's like you know how long can you lay there while you know yeah. the other person's getting double teamed? Just like running there, man. Like they're doing. Yeah. Why are you waiting for a tag? Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was like phenomenal or anything, but it was good. It was a young bucks tag team match. I do want to say, and this is a thing like I, I, I can enjoy tag team wrestling. I do like tag team wrestling and people have wanted this. They've been saying online, Oh, look at the young bucks and their maturation in the ring. I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's what's happening. I don't think it's so much. The young bucks are getting better in the ring. I just think that the viewers themselves are just being desensitized to when the young bucks wrestle the rules don't apply. So that's what's happening. A lot of you are lying to yourselves and saying that they are becoming better workers in a way. And no, that's actually not the case. What the case is, is that you are being educated that when the young bucks are wrestling, there will be no five count. They will be in the ring, both of them for up to a minute plus at any given point in time, uh, totally breaking the rules that should get them disqualified and things of that nature. It is. It then becomes incumbent upon the other team, if especially if that team is not high flyers, to create some order. That's why I believe Kingston had to be dead for a longer period of time um, because, you know, you need someone to create some type of order. So since they're heels, it kind of plays in their favor right now that they would cheat at all times. So it becomes incumbent upon the baby faces to then be like, well, the baby faces actually have to, they have to operate more within the rules. Also, uh, the young bucks also have another built-in uh, good play there and that, you know, executive uh, VPs. Uh, I do want to say, I love John Moxley and I love Eddie Kingston. And I'll say this. Uh, and I think to our viewers, if you come from a blue collar place, or if you come from an East coast city, you know, guys like that, you know, dudes like that, or your friends see you as them type dudes. And they're so organic. They're so like, it's fucking real. So like when I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now, even when they came out and I hate wild thing, I don't think it's a good song at all. I think some of you have terrible taste in your music, but that's neither here nor there. That's what your mother and daddy raised you on. And you love them, even though they're probably Republicans. And so, but that thing comes out and the crowd and you, and, and everybody pops because it's our guys. It's our fucking guys. So I love that entrance. Um, I thought they, I thought that the match was a young bucks match. And um, I was bummed. Uh, I don't think there was a wrong call to make. I would have loved to have seen Kingston and Moxley win to then lose it on Friday. Uh, just, just because like it would have been a payoff. It would have popped them loud. And then the Bucks get it right back and they're right back in business. Uh, but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with them retaining. I thought that just would have been a cool moment for uh, Moxley and Kingston to have a short-term run. But, you know. That's right. Um, I, yeah, you don't have too much to add uh, on that one. Uh, Jungle Boy was the 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 Battle Royal with uh eliminating Christian Cage. Christian Cage lasts the whole match, first person in, last person out. Um, yeah, I thought again, I thought Christian Cage is someone there kind of you know, uh, keeping hot but not giving him a shot yet, which is good. That's what you know, that's what you usually do through a talent you care a lot about. Uh, and then, again, it is, I would give it EAW the, this man, their long term storytelling is still fantastic. Like the fact yes. that you have so many people on deck to challenge, yep. right? Like you have Jungle Boy. Challenging in two weeks, you have Christian Cage eventually sometime soon. And then, of course, you have Hangman, who is now back in the number one contender. And now you have Brian Cage, who is still fighting for that number one contendership. So it is good that they have, you know, so many challengers on deck. Um, Jungle Boy was super over, by the way. I don't know if you heard, but yeah. the crowd was yeah. way more behind them than they were behind Christian. Uh, beat, you know, me beat. and you, I think me and you were worried for Christian. But yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but Jungle Boy is super over, which is awesome. I'm, I'm which is really awesome. Happy. I mean, uh, yeah, Jungle Boy. I love Jungle Boy. Uh, I love Jack Perry. I think he's great. Uh, and AW, you know, it's always important. You're always going to make them. You're always going to make some of the same mistakes of the past. That'll happen. That's just a given when you're in any type of business, especially professional wrestling. But they're learning really. They're learning important lessons of hey, 
when a, a guy comes in from somewhere else, he doesn't just beat our guys. You know, like we had to, and that that battle royale was so important for establishing Jungle Boy and establishing to the audience. There's some people that might have been watching AEW for the first time last night. And yeah, you know, Christian Cage, multiple time world champion. But do you know Jungle Boy Jack Perry? That's our guy. And this is not to say Christian's not our guy, but Christian comes from a different place before we even existed. Jungle Boy is our guy. Jungle Boy's younger. Jungle Boy is the future. Yes, I was rooting for Christian um, from a sentimental place, but I understood that from a booking perspective, I was like, Jungle Boy needs to win this, actually. You know, you can't do what WCW was doing towards the end or even fuck when they just brought in Hogan. Just have him beat everybody. Just have him run through all our guys so that none of our guys matter. And then we're all confused as to why we can't pop a rating. You know, because he's all he did. You saw the WWF guy come in and beat everyone except Sting, but beat everybody and everybody laid down for him. So what's the point of this? And then the NWO, it was much the same thing. So you can't just sort of come in and give the guy uh, everything when you have new stars to elevate. So I was I was very happy with that. Yeah, again, and and, and Jungle Boy is so incredibly athletic, man. I mean, he's just, he's 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 great. Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is awesome. He's so good. And again, it's, it's really good to see that AW just has keeps one thing they do really well. And one thing that was crucial for them to do well to, you know, to, to survive and to succeed is making new stars. And mm-hmm. so many people who, again, me and you, I think a pretty big wrestling fans who I would say we probably haven't really heard of or maybe just heard the name, but didn't really know what they were about uh, before AW started, who are now. Um, were, you know, not just on that radar, but like some of the most over people in all of wrestling and Jungle mm-hmm. Boy. Uh, Darby Allen and JF, yep. and I think we can add Anthony Ogogo to that list. And I got thought- you, woo! You goddamn right, you can. You can add Anthony Ogogo, the Brit, the, the listen, the Bruiser. Okay, huh? The the British boxing superstar who transcended and went over into professional wrestling, also half Nigerian. That's very very important. He's Nigerian and British, so we're everywhere. We cannot be stopped. We dominate everything. But yes, Anthony Ogogo can also be added to that list. Uh, in because of his match with Cody. Yeah, I was not, to be honest with you, I, we, we've talked about this match before when we, you know, neither one of us, I think, wanted to, to see Cody win clean, but in the end of the match, I was not that upset about it. Just because I, I think mad. that match meant anything. He just looked so much better than I expected. The match quality was so much better than I expected. But I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with Cody going over clean because now I want to see what happens with Anthony Ogogo next. Yeah, now I know that Anthony has something in the tank because initially I was like, if I had my way, in my perfect world, Anthony Agogo stops him in under two minutes, just brutalizes him the entire time to get him in and out of there. Because I didn't know, oh, Anthony can really can really work. And also, you're in there with Cody, and Cody's very good. You guys mm-hmm. may not like it. Cody is excellent in the ring. You need to accept this. A lot of you people forget the stuff that he was doing in ROH. A lot of you people forget the stuff that he was doing in TNA. When he was actually, and here's the thing, Cody doesn't turn heel because he'd be the best heel in wrestling. Because and I, I say that knowing Jay White exists, but I do remember the time from that New Japan ROH stuff where, goodness gracious, he was the best by being the worst. MJF wasn't even coming close um, because he's because he's got he's got rights to the throne. So although I do still think that Cody is like subliminally like the biggest heel in all of AEW, um, but I knew the moment. That he came out dressed as Homelander, this Cody Rhodes. <laughs> this motherfucker went and watched the boys and said, give me that one. He came out as Homelander after they had just done that tribute to the troops. 
And I was like, ain't no way. This ain't no way. But they did some really cool stuff, man. I thought, one, I was immersed in the match. So I was able to suspend, uh, you know, disbelief, which is really important for me. There's a moment where uh, this was so cool. Cody put him in the figure four and a go-go just jabbed him. That's right. And the jab almost knocked him out. It was like one, two, and even Cody like barely got his hands up. But even then he was woozy and that allowed a go-go to reverse the figure four, which you could tell he was so new. He didn't fully understand how to maneuver towards the ropes or anything like that. So he's basically going off like this raw skill set. Uh, that's like little subtle. Sh- like that thing was so neat. Even at, at a go-go won the match that way. Would it have taken the air out of the crowd? Sure. But it would have been so clever because that's how dangerous his hands are. Make no mistake. If a boxer hits you, you remain hit. That's all that happens for you. So I thought that was excellent. Yeah, same. Uh, both again. And then, and it was good. <laughs> again, not too. I'm really not trying to sound like an AW hater. Once again, I like the shows, but it was good to see some really good selling. This was the first match, but it was really like, oh, okay, that actually hurt. Because you, you, I mean? you, yeah. you, oh, yes. you have Cody. Because you have you have Cody. You have Cody. And again, a go goes being uh, brought in the right way. Um, and again, here's the thing. I know a lot of you. I know it's cool to dislike Cody right now. And he is in the Cody verse. So I have a lot of valid critiques of a wrestler that I am so high on. One thing you cannot sit there, his matches in terms of actually wrestling and the psychology of it tend to be the best on the card. They were not this time, but generally it's always up there. And, and, and the reality of that is because the guy actually does pro wrestling, man. We're not, we're not, you ain't seeing 37 super kicks. I know some of you always going in about the super kicks, bruh, throw a punch. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> do another move. So no, nah, you're going to, with Cody, you're going to see different wrestling. And again, he found a different way to win with the vertebraker. Yeah. That was really cool. I haven't seen him on the word uh, break in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Miro versus Lance. Josh, I thought it was just good. Nothing. I will need to go on talk about. It. I think it was just good. I thought it was excellent. It was ex- everything that it needed to be. It, it was, I thought, no, I mean, honestly, and I'll go, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about this because, uh, you know, Miro's very happy in his time with AEW, so I think we all should be because he says this is him, and I like this him. I like this him a lot better than Rusev, actually, because he just gets to be a Terminator. And um, he's the best man. This is a clear fact. We do not need to go into a long, drawn discussion of, about it. But with big guys, you know, there's, the, there's always the fear that it might not be good. Archer's incredibly athletic and gifted. So is Miro. Uh, I thought that it was just... It was just just big, big, big meat boy slapping meat. And there was the cool moment where Jake came in and he thought he was going to get him some. And Miro threw the bag with the snake in it because he is the best man and he is a Terminator. And then he he, he put Lance Archer to sleep and he probably thanked Jesus Christ afterwards. So that was great. That was everything I wanted. Are you worried about Lance Archer being put to sleep in less than 10 minutes? Is that does that hurt him? No, no, not at all. Because He's not a, it, supposed to be a monster, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but again, it's one of those things like I better that better him that way than tapping out. Mm-hmm. So they were they were only going to give they were only going to go a certain directions. I don't think he's losing to a savant kick, not even from Miro. Uh, uh game over. I don't see him tapping. You have to create a thing where he passes out, and they had a perfect built-in story there that you know. Lance Archer has had spinal surgery. So, yeah, he's a monster, but attacking his back in that way, that's an Achilles heel for him. So they have a built-in out, and Lance has a built-in out there. It was like, well, I never tapped, and you will see me again. And, you know, he will. I mean, um, 
we don't really know how he wants to be positioned in the company. Uh, but he's definitely, he, let's say this, the guys that he are, the guys that he loses to are only the guys. That's it. <laughs> he only loses to the guys and it, it won't be too long. So long as he stays healthy before that is no longer the case. Up next, there was, we got the only, only title change of the evening. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defeated Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's Championship. I think most people expected the title change. I think Britt has been built up for, you know, pretty much since the company launched. Um, so it was, again, not a good match. There was a lot of interference. The Rebel interfered twice in the match, once by, by mistake hitting uh Brit then uh allowing Brit Breaker to use the championship to ultimately defeat uh uh Hikaru Shida. Uh I thought it was again a good match. It may be hurt a little bit by the fact that there was a better uh women's match earlier in the in the evening. You mean uh, you mean the best match of the fucking night? Yeah. Yeah. Uh you can you can certainly make that argument. Um I would say it's it's up yes you know, being Riho might have been up there as the match of the night. So I want to uh-huh. say I want to say something. I have some complaints about this Hukaru Shida, Britt Baker right. match. Um, the complaints are only grounded in reality. I understand why it's being done. This is what happens when you um, over push a situation. Everyone was waiting for the payoff, which they mm-hmm. got, which is fine. But you got it from the heel, so you kind of weirdly position the heel. Everyone wanted the heel to win. This I didn't. I like Hukaru Shida more, even though I understand Britt with the title is like that's where we need to go. Carl's been your best champion. Um, but it's like, that's one. And this AEW is not the first company to do this, where you kind of over push something so much that the champion is literally just there to like sort of hand the belt over. Bret Hart felt much like that in 1996 against Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the vignettes, there's a good reason for him to feel that way. It's like, you've done a tremendous job of making the champion not look like the champion because you've always put them in the role of a one B or a two. While you put the person, while you put the person whom the champion has already defeated into the position of the top spot, who going into that match had already lost to Thunder Rosa, uh, even though this is the weird thing, even though they're like, okay, it's lights out, you know, doesn't count towards the record. She lost that match. I don't see Thunder Rosa again for weeks. Um, Britt Baker comes in the next week. She's getting applauded. So it was one of these weird things where it was, it was, it was, you were telling everyone who is next. So by the time the match happened, everybody only wanted the ending. They only wanted that and they got it. And that's when they really popped. That's when they really, really reacted. Uh, I do say all that to say that was the second best women's match of the night. The best women's match of the night and the best match of the night was Serena Deeb versus Riho. Serena Deeb is the best women's wrestler in the world. Nobody's seen her. You watch her matches, watch what she does, watch her movement, watch the smoothness, like her, her facial expressions. She sells. Her timing is excellent. Nobody is seeing her. And a lot of you are like, well, what about this person and this person and this person? Fun fact, she trained them. She's the best. All right, no argument from me. I think she's definitely up there. I, will, yeah. Yeah, you, I think it comes down to personal preference. Uh, you know me. I, I'll go with Sasha Banks. Just overall best. or Just full package. But there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, Serena Deeb has no weaknesses in her game. Nope. So I have no no problem with, with, with anybody saying that. Hey, and I don't I think Britt Baker, I think the yeah. problem is Britt Baker is just not, she's good, but she's just not on the level. She's like she's on that second tier no, no, level she, as far as she, like workers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and you're absolutely right. She's, she's not yet. 
She's come a long way in a year. I think turning heel helped her out a lot because before she was a baby face and she wasn't good because sometimes what winds up happening is, is that if you like, it's the Shane Douglas, Shane Douglas had this problem, but he could overcome it to where, especially in ECW when he was younger, he was a heel, but he worked like a baby face, but oftentimes he worked like a baby face because he was fighting monsters. You know what I'm saying? So he's fighting bigger guys. So that's why he had to throw in a hurricane Rana, you know, stuff like that. But um, I think, yeah, I think Britt, I think she'll continue to come along. Uh, but yeah, it's like you needed, she, yeah, she's, she's, she's not there yet, but she's excellent. Uh, and I think be, her being a heel definitely helps with that. But when it comes to like, Serena, bro, I mean, imagine the match that Serena Deeb and, and Sasha would put on. And that would be great. And it would be better because Serena's there. So it's like any, like, please guys go onto YouTube, AEW, if you didn't see, the buy-in match between Serena D versus Rio for the NWA Women's World's title. Please give yourself that, that gift. Please just do that. It's, yeah, I completely agree. Again, it, it's it's in a discussion for it. For me, it's one of the two best matches of the night. We'll talk about the other one uh, in a few minutes. Uh, I will only like to add this. I do think one of the, the issues that multiple companies, not just AW, WWE has the same problem, has with um, booking foreign talent is that, especially, it seems like uh, Japanese women are kind of just have their gimmick is that they're Japanese and they're really good at wrestling, yeah, which is why, yeah. which is why it's so hard for they always, when, once they do become champions, they get relegated to, as you said, kind of like this, the, the, the secondary focus, right? The focus is on their opponents because they see, they're seen as more quote unquote interesting characters. I mean, yeah. Oscar has probably the most personality of anybody that they booked, but even her personality is just, Oh, she's just a dominant female champion. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, and I think, unfortunately that's just our xenophobia. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just us not being or I, well, let me let me not put that on on us as as one of us, you know, being a first generation, the other being an immigrant American. Uh, it's on the, that. That's just the ignorance of the of the people running the companies who don't have the skill set mentally to be creative enough to book these people and showcase their personalities appropriately. I will say this. Um, AEW did a pretty good job with the Kawashita by having her talk in certain instances and all that other stuff, you know, but yeah, it's like, you know, I just don't need, you know, you have these, you bring in these Japanese women and they're just really good at wrestling and they have to smile. And it's like, okay. You know, when, when some of them can speak English and honestly educate your, educate the goddamn audience to hear someone with an accent, speak English. It's not the like, it's like these, some of these athletes, yeah, they may have insecurities on speaking English. You know why they have insecurities on speaking English in front of you people is because you guys sit there and say, I can't hear them. I don't know what they're saying. No, you do know what they're saying. You just have to open your ears. Whereas I've learned most Americans, when they uh, listen to someone, they actually listen to someone through their mouth, not through their ears. You need to listen through your ears. Um, but we need to educate the audience by putting the microphone in these people's hands and letting them talk of what they're able to say and do and get accustomed to that and have that be understood that, hey, man, there are varying degrees of a what, what's considered a good promo like that, that even the good promo, that's, that's a fallacy there because you're not letting foreigners speak in some instances. And when you do, you're like, oh, it seems kind of robotic and rich. No, it's not. No, it's not. Just let them speak. Let them have their they let Hakaru Shida speak. And it was fine. It was perfectly fine in the moments they had her speak. Because they've let her showcase herself a little bit, but even that was insufficient. 
I agree. And it, it felt like, again, it was kind of done last minute. Like they gave, they have to be giving her more promos and more celebrations. Like right, last minute. right. Just like, oh, wow, we really did not. We've just been saying she's good at wrestling. She's a dominant champion, but we really gave her nothing to work with. Let's give like, her, the, let's give her the new belt so she can drop it two days later. Right. So, you know, exactly. this, is the, this is the type of, this is the shit I'm talking about. So that was like, I was, I, it was a good match. I was not pleased with it. Uh, has nothing to do with the those two mm-hmm. in particular. Just the build up for it, it was just it did a disservice to the champion, and and I, I'm I'm glad the audience had enough decency to say thank you, Sheeta, while um, while the commentators were talking. Um, she coming? was the baby face. She was the baby face. Also, she's the baby face. You people cheered the heel. What the hell's wrong with you? It's it's the audience, man. Sometimes you know you can't trust them. Um, so we already covered this thing and Darby Allen uh, beating Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Happy to see it again. Happy to see Scorpio Sky. I think it's his, yeah, and yeah. Ethan Page actually being used. I think Scorpio Sky has been the guy we complain about. Like, hey, you guys have a feature, then he goes away. So yeah. at least he's being used. He gets to be in the ring with Sting. I think that's yep. awesome for him. Uh, next match is the other match I would uh, list up there as match of the night, even despite the the ending, which I think went from being good heel to being just a little silly and over the top. Uh, I loved it. I loved it all was of Kenny Omega beating Orange Cassidy and Pac. I thought the match itself was fantastic. I, I love that. All three of them just kind of shined in it. Uh, we don't talk about Pac enough as one of the best wrestlers in the world. I think we, we talked about Drew that way last uh, last week. I think Pac has got to be up there. It's just Pac, incredible Pac everything he does. Yeah, Pac is definitely up there. I think of those three guys – I'll be honest. Of those three, I enjoy watching Pac work the most out of out of any of them because he is so he's just so special. Goodness gracious, like he's so special, but also he can work. He can take his time. Sometimes he doesn't get to because of who he's in the ring with. But you know, he he can sell. He can do all of those things. But Pac, man, Pac, and also he's just he's just a he's just a mean son of a gun. So everything about like. He's the guy that, yo, I could see him giving a backbreaker to someone like Kevin Nash and believing it because it's Pac. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he looks it. He's built like a brick shithouse. Mm-hmm. He's just a, he's a jacked specimen. Um, so, yeah, I, I did enjoy the match. I enjoyed uh, one thing that I really, really enjoy is staking identities. So they did not use the term triple threat because that's a term that, um, you know, kind of WWE co-opted and sort of had a stranglehold on. So if you want to create, you know, your own thing, you know, you call it a three-way match ECW. Originally it was the three-way dance. Um, So I appreciated that little subtle things because it doesn't need to be a triple threat match. That actually kind of sounds weird when you think about it. Um, But it, but for word economy, I guess it makes more sense. But, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. One thing I enjoyed about the match is, yeah, hit Pac with all those belts because you need to hit him with all those belts because this guy keeps on coming back. And uh, I love the finish, actually. I look, I, I always love it when a heel champ steals one. When the heel champ talks about, I'm about to do this to you. You've never been in the ring with anything like me when I dominate you. And then you see that you're nothing at crucifix. <laughs> I love, I love because he had to get out of there. Like get, there was the desperation. He can't, I can't keep him down. I got to get it. And he just, he found a moment and he's like, I got to get the hell out of here. I'm done. I'm done. I love that. I just hit him with every finish was just a little, a little silly for my face. I get that you have to get over the fact that he's a bell collector as part of the yeah. gimmick. Um, 
But that's about it. That's it, it's, it's a very minor complaint. What again? I think was the match of the night, man. I, I, again, everything, the characters, the movement, man. For all the moves that they did, and there was a lot of awesome moves, especially of you know Pop and Kenny, and also Orange Cassidy, who is an incredible yes. athlete. You kind of yes. forget it behind the gimmick. He's actually a really, really good wrestler and very technically sound as well. He is. Um, <laughs> the thing I got over that popped out for the most was when Orange Cassidy was doing his like heel kick thing. Yeah. When Pac just just kicked kick him in the ball, yeah. like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not doing. I'm this. not playing. Yeah, I'm not playing yeah. with. I you, think bro. that's when I was like, oh wow, Pac is one of the best in the world. And I yep. forgot. <laughs> <laughs> because my, it, like, oh, yeah, I'm now again. Well, because I think that that's the thing. When we say best in the world, it's not just in terms of what you can do athletically. Mm-hmm. It's about like everything else in wrestling, and sometimes that best in the world stuff also comes down to mental aptitude doing things that make a lot of sense, doing things that, cause we always have to suspend belief, but it's that little thing. That's like, it's, it's a three-way match for the AEW world title. And you over here giving me these little patty. I'm kicking you in the nuts, bro. I'm not playing with you. That's I'm right. so not. And he did that. I was like, that's beautiful. That's tremendous. That's it's great. Awesome. Yeah, I love, love awesome. that. I think yeah, the one, I, I think I'll, I'll say this normally orange Cassidy spots kind of get on my nerves. But one thing I liked, and it's ridiculous, and it's actually stupid. Normally, I shouldn't like it. But when um, when Orange Cassidy was getting V-triggered to death, and then he was on his knees, and he put his hands up and put them in his pockets, and then just collapsed forward. I'm so mad that I laughed at that. I should not have enjoyed it as much as I did. Um Cause it broke me out of the, it broke me out of my suspension of, of, of uh, belief for a second, but it made me laugh. And the fact that he fell over brought me back in. Orange Cassidy is so goddamn entertaining. And then, and, and again, and so when he, and when he does something, when he shoves Pac out the way and hits the Michinoku driver, yes. like, oh my God, this guy yeah. can be incredible, man. I, I'm super, uh, again, all three of those dudes got over for me. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and you're right. I actually, the, the crucifix part, then the roll up part, I actually loved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and I think all three of them kind of reminded you who they were. You have the the bell collector, who is yeah. a you know a shed heel who will do anything to you know get the pin and get out of here. Yep. You have your mean bastard who will lock on a submission and won't let go. Yeah, yeah, well, no matter how much let go. Him. Yeah, like the dude, like Kenny. We forget Orange passed out, and Kenny had to attack the ref in order to get so that the. Cha- I mean, that was cool. Like that was really cool. Was like Orange was gone and. Kenny was like, no, it's kind of like, um, to, to, you know, in, in the same respect of the last man standing match between Roman Reigns and, and Kevin Owens, when Reigns was done, he's he, all of all of his skullduggery and Machiavelli, it's been used against him. And the refs at nine and Roman has to grab the ref and yank him uh, right into uh, right into the setup of this of the stage to knock him out. He's like, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't I can't go out like this. I'm a desperate. I always like the desperation of a heel because that's what makes them so unlikable. Like Kenny is a very unlikable person. And he's really uh, we forgot how good Kenny was until he turned heel again. And uh, I think it reminded us of like, hey, man, yeah, yeah. Best. But now I can sit here and say best about machine. I can say all of these things and all. But now you have to remember my character, which has evolved uh, from the cleaner. So uh, I so I do want to make sure that I do uh, uh, applaud Kenny for that, because he is he is so unlikable. Yeah, he is. And again, we just again, 
Great match. I, I do. The more we talk about it, the more I think it's it's my match of the night, followed by Serena yeah. Deep, followed by this thing and Darby Allen match. Yep. Um, and I thought, yeah, again, uh, AW was great pay per view. Uh, the main event, I don't really have too much to say about. It. I thought it was cool for what it was. To me, it dragged a little bit, which is, you know, that's what, you know, uh, empty arena matches, which I know it's not, but it's kind of felt like one kind of are like, especially with, you know, 10 participants in them. Uh, really liked the the Conan uh, cameo. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yep. I was happy to see him and, the, you know, the history that he has with uh, LAX, as they were known at that, uh, at that time. Yeah. I think when he was, I don't know if he was managing them, I don't quite remember. He was, but he was, that's yeah, why I remember was, seeing them together. Yeah, he was, he was um, with them in TNA. Yeah, yeah Santana and Ortiz. Um, and, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think Sean Spears came in is, uh, uh, proves my point. Um, but, again, yeah, speaking, oh. of, speaking of young talent, Santana, again, I'm happy yeah. to see him game pushing. Him being as like one of the guys who's going to be, you know, on top of this company and carry the banner. Yeah, going forward. Yeah. So definitely, I thought I thought Sammy. One, we we need to pay respect to Sean. Sorry, Sammy Guevara. Do apologize. Yeah, I, I think I think Sammy really uh, overachieved tonight. He kind of, I wasn't I wasn't really with it. You know what I'm saying? Like not in terms of his ability, but just like. You know, the, the crowd showed me. I'm like, okay, yeah, I see what you guys are talking about with this dude. Like, he's dope. Also, you got you, 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 you motherfuckers will pay respects to the chairman of AEW, Sean Spears. You will do that. You will stop with this slander. You will stop with this. You are not, you, 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 are, you people are so disrespectful. Number one, here's the thing I liked about the stadium stampede match is that, um, I don't really care for matches like this. You know, I think I think AEW does these cinematic deals better than any company uh, right now uh, because the wrestlers seem to have a lot of input. And the thing that I appreciated most about this particular one wasn't really all this stuff. You know, I think everybody got their time in. You know, it was cool. Uh, them being at the club, that was dope. Wardlow and Hager being Godzilla and Kong, that was cool. Um, Jericho and MJF in the boardroom and you know, being fighting next to Urban Meyer and really just seeing like, yeah, we're in the we're in all the big meetings. That was cool. Uh, but I really like the Sean Spears, Sammy Guevara aspect because he got to showcase both of their personalities when Sammy comes in the door and, and it's just Sean sitting there in a chair surrounded by chairs. I thought that was really, really neat. All the weird ticks that Sean Spears has that he was showcasing throughout the match. That's really cool because the guy obviously is not well. Look at how he cuts his hair. So we, we got to really tap into that. And at the core of that, he can eat the pin and it hurts him the least because he's the most versatile. I, I do believe this. I think that for really, really special performers, there are those that they can eat losses and it not particularly matter. Sean Spears doesn't really eat a lot of losses. He hasn't since he's come to AEW. Thankfully, they built him up appropriately. Um, but him eating that didn't hurt him, didn't even hurt the pinnacle. It just meant that the inner circle got to go on for another day. Like Sean Spears eating that mm, after after him and Sammy had really done most of the work that night. It only made sense. And honestly, who's going to take think about someone who really is going to take that all those sequence of moves better than Sean Spears, especially with his level of experience. MJF is very talented. But I would trust Spears more in that role because Spears has been here before so many times. He's got it down to a science, comparatively speaking. And I believe he showed that in his interactions with Sammy. 
I think Hurts the least because I don't think there was just not many plans for him besides being a role player. Like, uh, yeah, no, no, so yes, yeah, so no, no. the least because yeah, he's not going to be a champion at any point. You know what I mean? Right, but but that but 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 that is also the thing. You can you can keep him in the mix of any point at any time, and he can come off being very dangerous at any point and at any time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you could put the same logic again. I'll use that logic on Jericho in WWE. He could lose all the time because he wasn't going to be champion anytime soon. But mm. what I'm saying is, is that it didn't affect how over he was. It didn't affect his ability to be a threat at any time. You could insert him somewhere. And because of his skill set, he could very quickly be a threat. I am not saying that Sean Spears is on a Jericho level in that regard. But what I'm saying is, is that he has that ability. And I think thus far he's shown that he has that ability. Also, he has shown that for him, leaving WWE was the right move because uh, I mean, no, without quite, without question, let's not, let's not, let's not be disingenuous here. You're closing out a pay-per-view in the main event, uh, you know, in front of the best crowd, you know, of the year you have been protected. You have been with Tully Blanchard. You have had more character development than you ever had in years in WWE. Um, and, and again, for some people, it's not always about the titles. It's not always about the belt. Not ev- there aren't enough titles. Not everybody can be champion. It's about how you're showcased on TV. He made the he made totally the right decision because Ty Dillinger would not be doing any of this stuff. Ty Dillinger would be on main event in a three way with Mustafa Ali and Ricochet. Yeah, I mean, great match. Do you want us to talk about that? Well, uh, that you want to give a? Uh, I think I mean we've covered the AW the double nothing. I just don't know if you want to have. No, what? No, thoughts. no. You know what? You can't. I didn't even watch it because it means nothing. WWE has done such a fantastic job of making. Here's the thing that they do, and I and you have a hard time accepting this, but you need to grow up. They do a tremendous job of forcing you to not care. They do a tremendous job in forcing you to not care about certain talents, and they will do it. They will play the long game and they will outlast you for years to make you eventually give the fuck up on what you're seeing. They will do it and do it and do it. And guess what? Those motherfuckers broke me after Dolph Ziggler. It took them years to make me not care. And I fuck, I don't care. Fine. You guys got what you wanted. You got, you got it. You left money on the table. I'm not saying the dude should have been eight time world champion and in WrestleMania. He should be in the mix, but you made me not care. And all you continue to do is show me why I shouldn't care. So you got it. You're right. You're right. But once I learned that I had to fight, I, I was in this emotional mental battle with this company, this one-sided emotional mental battle, not just me, but many other people for five fucking years and you don't do anything. And then you make me quit fine. But guess what? I will never invest that long into anything or anyone on your product ever again. Cause I've seen you do it with other people that I didn't even care about, but I knew everyone else cared about. I've seen you do it so many times. I don't care. So guess what? With Ricochet only took two years with Mustafa only took three years. You're right. You got it. I know they're going to put on a great match. I know they're going to cut great promos, but you motherfuckers fucked it up so bad because you think these guys have nothing to contribute and you know what i will yell on this podcast about it but another thing i will never do i ain't tweeting about it because it's worthless it doesn't mean anything to these people so if it doesn't mean anything to them it shouldn't mean anything to me so when i say it's worth nothing it's not because of those two men it's not because of their skill set it's because of where they work and who represents them and how those people choose to engage in booking practices in the short term and in the long term 
That's what I mean. So when I so when you sit there and you try to bring up Ring of Honor, there's no comparison because if you watch Ring of Honor and you're invested in their product, they will show you that they care about the people that they put on their TV. You cannot say the same for WWE. But again, even with somebody like Dolph Ziggler, he is still on TV. He just made the event on SmackDown. Like he was just in the main event. Of the so, so, okay, so, okay, so, okay, so, so, okay, so, so now we're going to do this. So, so here's the thing. So here's, so here's where you see, see, here's where you guys get yourself into trouble. So, okay, boom. Okay, the start, stop, push, start, stop, push, start, start. You say, okay, okay, he was just in the main event. Understand that Dolph is in the position that he's in now because he chose to stay on TV during a global pandemic because he's a Republican, he doesn't care. It's so number one. Number two, also, you want to forget the fact that all of a sudden he had been pushed down to nothing for years, finally get, has, has the best match of Miz's career with his title on the line to then lose the title a few weeks. Keep in mind, this is after a year prior to that, Dolph Ziggler was a surviving member of Survivor Series. He was Intercontinental Champion a bunch of times, having great matches with Luke Harper and all, and then they would just stop again. They would just stop again. They would just stop again to the point that then Dolph's role became any new guy that comes into the main roster has to beat me. <laughs> and that's what was happening. And then they do nothing with it. And then he stumbles. On, and, and then, and then, and then when, it's, when he's about to lose, when he's about to leave or leave rather, what do they do? They convince him to resign. And they say, we'll give you something. They give him Drew. They give him Seth for the summer. Cool. That was cool. I'm still out of it. Like, I'm glad you're showcasing him. But I'm still pretty much out of it. And you guys booked the, 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 the Iron Man match all wrong. <laughs> you booked it all wrong. I don't know how, how the fuck do you fuck up that match with having the baby face go up like, like four, one, like you do it the other way around. You make, the, you know, all this stupid stuff. So sure, sure. It's great. It's fantastic. He's always in the main event now. Understand a lot of people are where they are right now in that company is because they just chose to continue to show up to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's a versatile dude. Even look at the stuff that he's doing with Robert Roode now, the Dirty Dogs. Does the WWE push it? They're in the main event of SmackDown. Do they push it? They're in the main. What do, do you they, mean? They, no. They do they push it? You have to again, again, again. Okay, so let me educate you again here. Okay, it's like Cesaro and Sheamus, the bar. That was cool. Do you push it? No, it's those guys doing it independent of you. So you're continuing to lay money on the table when you could invest in that brand, when you could invest in how they push themselves to the point that when that team eventually breaks up, they have a bit of a lineage. Instead, they didn't do that. They just broke them up. And it's like, oh, he's a multiple time tag team champion. Oh, him and Roman or him and Sheamus have history. And did it. No, bro. What if demolition was just axe and smash? And like Axe and Smash are the World Tag Team Champions. No, it was because you chose to call them Demolition that then all of a sudden they have a lineage behind them. The bar should have a lineage behind them. For however long the dirty dogs last, they should have a lineage behind them. But they don't because you're dealing with a company that does not care. So we can put you in that situation, but it doesn't even matter because you're going to lose to Rey Mysterio's kid, which is fine. It advances the storyline or whatever. But after all that start, stop, start, stop, start, stop shit, bro, some people are just going to check out. Because you're 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 insulting their intelligence. But is WWE well, well, and WWE how good Sean Spears is, isn't that the same thing? Because Sean Spears was off TV until Pinnacle. Sure. He, got, he was hot when he came in, lost to Cody Rhodes, pretty much as far as I remember, disappeared. Now he's back no, with the Pinnacle. That's incorrect. Taking you're, the you're pin. Being, no, you're no, you're being totally incorrect. I'm, this is me genuinely. No, no, no. So, so, genuine so, how I remember. So, Go ahead. So yeah, but you remember incorrectly. So he could so he ate the pin. He would continue to be on TV. He was he was on not not no not only was he on well, not, not only was he on dynamite he was on dark he was wrestling a lot he had the program 
Uh, oh, so, so he was on main event. So, he was so, on their so, main event. Okay. So, so, so he gets no, no, no. He was also on Dynamite. Keep this okay. in mind. I said he was on Dynamite and on Dark okay. because, but guess what? They tell you to care about Dark. They don't even tell you where main event is, so you can't. It's, that's not even comparable. So then he actually does go into a program with Scorpio Sky, where he won the program, which I didn't even necessarily agree with, and he won, and that was a featured match on Dynamite. Now, if, if we're gonna give a point of comparison. He wouldn't have done none of that shit, comparatively speaking, on that other on that other programming. Now, AEW has very glaring problems in that they have way, 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 way many wrestlers and not enough TV time. And guess what? They still manage to address it better because they're like, here are the alternate. Here's the other programs that we have. And since we want to get these guys reps and we want to get them time, this is what we have to do because we actually care about the development of our talent and we want you to invest in them to some degree. We ain't going to get it right all the time, but we're not going to bungle a Dolph Ziggler or a Zack Ryder or even a Braun Strowman to a lesser degree. We're just not going to fuck those things up. We're just not going to do it. Oh, I agree um, with that. I'm, I'm not here to defend the WWE's constant, you know, not even the stuff, the stars stop booking, but rather not putting the rocket on somebody who's organically hot. And or that's... I agree with that. That part, and this is and, and this is why I say, but but, they, because, but but to say right, look, all I'm saying is this: to say it doesn't matter. We don't. I, I get your point, but for what it's worth, again, it has its own program. The WWE gave a chance, gave them time, gave them promo on their social, blah blah blah, and I think we got a cool little feud out of Mustafa Ali and Ricochet. Will it lead to something? I hope so. Maybe it won't. You're right. There's a good chance it will not lead to anything. Unfortunately, although we did see Ricochet on Raw. And, you know, he's now finally doing something. There's at least some of, you know, something's wrong with him, um, which will hopefully lead somewhere. Um, but even on its own, I think they had a really cool match, and I think it's worth checking out, even if it doesn't lead to anything bigger. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, to me, the, the idea that it doesn't matter, it's just, it, it, it's silly. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it was great. Uh Especially the match that was a blow. It was a good blow of you, of of the few that we had. And and I'm willing to concede this is an indictment of me and how I view what they put forth. You guys give me enough content that I ain't going to go looking for other content, especially when you tell me not to care about that content. So, I mean, listen, that that match has to show up on my YouTube stream. It has to show up for me to click on it. I'm not looking for it. I'm just not. I'm not going out of my way. To look, and again, I again, I will concede this is an indictment of me and my reaction to them. I ain't doing it. I I'm just not, I'm just not I'm just not doing it because I've done that before. I've I've literally gone uh, before there was Kofi Mania. I'd go and watch their main events with him and Dolph Ziggler when they wrestled for the eighty fourth hundred time. I would I would find I would do all the and I'd be like, how can no one see that they're doing these amazing things? Because the shit don't matter. So whatever. So, so what? But it didn't matter. There wasn't. There wasn't matter. Of the payoff. It don't you, somebody who wait, hold on, that. hold on. So here's the thing. So here's you see how you're trying to conflate things right there. So we have <laughs> see that that was bad, and it would have worked against a lesser mind. It would, it would have. It would have worked against the lesser mind, but we're not going to do that. We know that that's not the same thing at all because Kobe Kofi was dead in the water. You know what I'm saying? Like he was with the New Day, who's like you know the the out the, maybe the New York Yankees of of WWE in terms of uh, money they make for that company. But like all that, you know, that was again another guy who I, he was just not doing anything for years, and then he had a good run of 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 luck, and then Mustafa got hurt, <laughs> and, you know, and then plans changed. It never would have happened otherwise, because this place doesn't care about. But it shit. did happen. 
But, but it, it did. Uh, no, that's no. It's important to acknowledge. It did. But yeah, it did. But that had nothing. But it wasn't because of their long term booking or their thing. And, da, 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 da. and guess what? And guess what? It happened. And guess what they did? They beat him in eight seconds. They did. They did. And now, and after, now, after and now, and guess what? And guess what? After and he guess, had a long reign and from, guess what? from from uh, WrestleMania 2 through October. And guess what? And guess what they did after that? They said, okay, we all, we all, we all do this. We're going to do this to you. We're going to have you beat Randy Orton. Of like a, a few weeks ago and call it an upset, even though you, when you was world champ, you beat him. Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna and, disrespect and he's back and he's back in the main event, now. Dis- and he's yeah. gonna be main event, but, you, but you see, yeah, because we can't have Drew and Bobby go at it again because we don't want the people to turn on Drew. How uh, does, because how we don't, because tonight's match end, huh? We got, we got, we got to switch, we got to keep moving the show. How does tonight's Raw end? I'll probably, in, probably in a way that is disappointing. <laughs> You bastard. Um, yeah, just, you know, I, I, I do think I, it's going to end with interference. I think I know. I think we're getting because the, the premise of the match is we get Kofi versus uh, Drew. Yeah. No, uh, you're not allowed to have uh, Bobby Lashley is not allowed on ringside, neither is MVP, which means that I'm assuming somebody else is interfering and that's Drew's next program. I'm actually, I don't know, maybe I'm saying my expectations too high. I wouldn't be surprised if that's someone is Finn Balor. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, yeah. You got to give Finn something to do. Finn and Karrion had their blow-off match uh, at NXT. Damn good match, by the way. Very good match. Very, I like, I like uh, those two wrestle. They, they, you can tell they both see wrestling the same way. Um, and they do a really good, great big man versus great little man or good big man versus great little man uh, type of deal. And uh, again, it's one of those things when you can have a match like that and both guys come out looking better, you know, it's, 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 uh, that's a, that's a hell of a thing. So, uh, the work that Finn Balor has done, you know, on NXT, especially throughout this pandemic, before the pandemic and through the pandemic, this latest incarnation, goodness gracious, man. I mean, I, I, I can't gush enough about the awesome stuff that he's done. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, we talked about Pac as far as being believable. I mean, yeah, uh, Finn Balor is like even I think he weighs even less than Pac. I think he's like buck ninety. Uh, yeah, buck ninety. Max. So. He's, he's and, like he's and, like listed at like one ninety eight or something like that. Yeah. But he's like, he still looks too lean for that. That and dude hasn't that, he, has, that, he hasn't had bread since nineteen eighty one. Yeah, the fact that he can uh, you know he can believably uh, hurt uh, Karen Cross is a testament to him. And then good for Karen, man. Again, I love love the both of their matches. Don't know which one I like. I might have even loved the like the NXT match a little bit better, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, just did a, a, a great job uh, this week. Um, anything else you want to you want to cover WWE wise before we, we get to we gotta do gotta move, get the show moving. I just want to give uh, a shout out. To, I thought the USO was being back. I, I'm very happy to see them back. I thought Damage Street Profits. I love the dueling promos before the match. I love the match pretty much. That was like just a great half an hour of of SmackDown. Um, and I I'll still love the the storyline with uh, Roman Reigns and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the big thing that WWE has going on, whether it's real or not, is to be determined. Is uh, you know, are they are they talking to New Japan, or more specifically, is Nick Khan talking to you know the the New Japan uh, officials? That's interesting. I think that's the most. I don't think I don't put much faith into it. Honestly, uh, Vince McMahon does not play with others historically. Um, He's not that hard up for it. He really isn't. If, if, if he were to really put some actual thought into it, it would just be to curtub, curtail the progress of these other companies, uh, realistically. So 
um, I don't really put too much stock into it because that's just it's, it's just anti Vince. It's just not in his character. But Nick Khan has uh, apparently wants to modernize this this place. And I think that, you know, I can't remember the individual who was doing commentary for like a, a cup of coffee who just left. But I don't but I think I don't even think that that is uh, I think they're just doing like rotating schedules like that guy had other stuff to do. And they brought in another sports analyst guy and that guy will be out probably pretty soon. Like, so I think they're just grabbing sports guys who have relatively solid pro- product knowledge, bringing them in for a season and then recycling them. So I think Nick Khan appears to be dedicated to sort of switching some things up. I wouldn't deny that there are that there have been conversations uh, how serious can they be? And again, it's not the first time that the WWE and New Japan will have worked together before. It's happened in the past, but that was more or less, I don't have anything for my guy to do. I'm going to send him over there because he needs something to do. Um, I think now it might be hard for Vince to do that long term. Sure, you could have one of your guys show up to me, but if one of my guys goes to you, it, you know, it makes this whole independent contractor argument a bit more difficult um, because now you're telling these guys other places to go to and work for. Um, and how is that going to affect your pay? You know, all that other stuff. So a lot of questions around that uh, that I think are particularly interesting. Uh, I think the deal, if it were to happen, hypothetically, I think it'd fall apart rather quickly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still interesting. The conversation's happening. Yeah, I'm not expecting them to have, um, like, you know, to have, like, a New Japan invasion angle or anything like right. that. I do think right. uh, the the most we might happen is uh, some talent exchanges, you know, with, like like you did back in the day, which, which is awesome, by the way. Like, I would love to see yeah. somebody, hey, you know, we have nothing for you. Ricochet, go go compete in the Super Junior, you know. You've done uh, it before. <laughs> like, exactly. and, and, and the reality of it is New Japan, here's the thing, New Japan does it all the time with their talent. Mm-hmm. It's just called excursion. You know, like so for for instance, with Jay White, Jay White was in ROH and Jay White was a super over white baby face. It was very interesting. You go watch some of his stuff back from that time period. Um, he was very, very over as a baby face. But excursion at Kazuchika Okada, uh, he was in TNA, you know, um, uh, Tanahashi has done stints in TNA, CMLL, Naito, of course, obviously, CML, CMLL, um, Keiji Muto, the great Muta all throughout Puerto Rico, uh, Texas, to the NWA uh, in the 80s. So New Japan is in the business of doing this because they want to give their talent different looks. But then when they bring their talent from back from excursion, the theory is the talent is better. And they have very rarely ever been wrong on that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see like some young, maybe a young lion in uh, NXT. So right. again, I think that's right. going to be the, the extent of relationship. I don't think it's going to be yeah. a super major, you know, storyline type thing. Maybe we get like a Royal Rumble surprise in a couple of years. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see anything crazy. But again, if we, you know, my dream match, I've, I've told you this before, it's, it's still Walter versus uh, Cody Bushi. Uh, that's still the match I'm like dying to see the most in the world right now. So we're... A little one step closer to seeing it, so happy about yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah, any any other thoughts on the on the the, the talks? No, I mean, I think that's kind of I, I think those talks, and again, since uh AEW actively has a working relationship with New Japan and the IWGP United States champion is John Moxley, I'm just kind of like, well, this doesn't seem feasible. I mean, it could happen, but. I'm not going to get myself worked up over that, but 
if 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 it's a thing that Nick Khan has tried to do, I will say this to him. Salute to him. I don't know much about you. Not none of us do really. But um, I guess we're maybe starting to see what some of your work could be. And it appears to be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So far, again, the changes that, that has been made that you can kind of pinpoint to him have been on a positive note. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely excited to see. Uh, just like to add, like people, there's of course a lot of people uh, for good reason. To be fair, uh, freaking out about you know potentially uh, WWE burying all the New Japan stars and you know uh, a lot of jokes. They would, about, which they would. Uh, a lot of jokes about Okada being pinned by Baron Corbin on my timeline. Um, you got it's a partnership. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it, it's not going to be it, it, WWE is not buying New Japan. Right. It will be a partnership. It will be, you know, I don't think New Japan will go for that. So, you know, just and, just relax, guys. And you know, yeah, take, and take again, even if it happens, I mean, the chances of it happening are not high. I mean, I that, that's the thing. I, that's why I didn't get worked up over these conversations. And I do want to say something. Uh, I saw a tweet. There was a tweet. It was a particularly stupid tweet. Um, it was a dumb one. It was a very dumb tweet. And I generally try not to pay attention to tweets, but I've had conversations with this guy before. And it's just such a deep, he says weird things, but he said, Tony Khan's promo about the potential partnership between WWE and new Japan highlights the main reason why the talks are happening in the first place. Tony's living out his wrestling fantasies. Meanwhile, Nick Khan is approaching new Japan with actual business plans and financial considerations. So number one, that last part is ridiculous. Tony Khan has already come to new Japan with actual business plans and financial uh, considerations. Uh, the whole idea that Tony is living out his wrestling fantasies. Vince McMahon won the WWE title in 1999. In 1996, he created a cut characters called the Huckster and the Nacho Man, making fun of Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan were, were in WCW at the time and were killing him in the ratings, murdering him in the ratings. So I think that there needs to be this, because I think, What's happening right now is, is that everyone, not everyone, but too many people are, are trying to look to Tony Khan. You're some young, brash kid who's upstart and you're some of your sophomore-ish, you know, antics. Vince McMahon has done that and worse. This is a guy who went to USWA and that was the initial incarnation of the Mr. McMahon character. This is a guy who had people kiss his ass on live television. So I don't know what the hell some of you are saying but you are not using your brain when you say this type of nonsense, because how do you think that that deal between Tony Khan and new Japan even happened? There had to be a mutually beneficial situation. There had to be a business plan and financial considerations. You think Yuji Nagata came out here for free during a fucking pandemic? What buffoonery must you engage in? Do you write this? And then you think that's good. And some of you would sit there and tell oh, what a salient good point. You are not being serious if you engage in that. And I, I say this because it's very, very important because a lot of y'all want to sit there and act like WWE ain't a mom and pop shop. It is. It very much is. It very much is, dude. You can talk to executives that have been there or read their interviews, rather. It's like, yo, it's still a couple people making decisions. So you can hold a position. You can do whatever. But it's very much run by a select number of people who do things at their whim. That's mom and pop. That's yes and no. I mean, again, when they do bring outsiders like Nick Khan, and they do have, again, they do have shareholders to answer to, like AEW. I do, I will say this, in the defense of that promo, or right in defense of that tweet, that promo was 
a little. There's no, there's no, there's no defense. Yeah, well, that promo was there's, a little. There's, there's no, there's no. There's, no, but of, course, of course it was. Of course. And then he sat there and said, yeah, I talked to them about doing that. It's not like I was going out here half cocked. So it was people having just this sort of visceral reaction and not giving themselves 24 hours. Like that's no what fair. it came down to. So there's no, there's no defense of that tweet. And I, and, and, and because it's so lazy and it, it, it literally, it's, it's like, it, it, you know what that tweet says? It says, I can't in my brain go back any more than 10 years. I, in my brain, can't go back any more than five years. Like, that's what that tweet says to me because people want to sit there and say, like, it's weird. People want to sit there and say that AEW's transgressions and the mistakes that they have made are comparable to WWE when AEW hasn't been around nearly as long. It's like, yo, no. If you're going to hold them accountable for their mistakes, hold them accountable for their mistakes. You know what I'm saying? The one thing I've tried to do uh, with varying degrees of success, I don't want to try to put too much of a WWE's bullshit on AEW because I can't, I can't, because then I can't watch it. You know what I'm saying? Like when I watch these two things, I have to watch them and take them in as separate things. Like same thing with TNA. If I'm watching TNA, I can't wa- I can't put WWE logic on that. I can't put WWE action on that or ring of honor or nwa i have to like le- and it doesn't always work i ain't gonna sit there and say i get it I'll right i don't i don't put wwe logic when i watch wwe program that's why i enjoy it so much more than <laughs> yeah because yeah because you have to yeah that's the difference you are able to divest yourself of the logic that you need to enjoy regular programming and you say to yourself i'm watching wwe you're an admitted shill and you're like i in order for me to enjoy this i have to let a lot of things go <laughs> like in order for me to like well, this, you, you've been you've been hurt more than me before. I think that's the yes, thing. But you just you're afraid of getting hurt again. And no, it's not even a matter of afraid of getting hurt. It's just a matter of, oh, you did it again. Like it's so it's it, there is that it, I guess they would call it resentment because it's like, oh, you just did the same thing that you did. And now it's like, you know, some of the things that you do now are surprising me, like Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, all that. That's really surprised me i've been happy for it but will you ever get me to invest like you did before no because i yes i am i a battered uh uh spouse yes i've been emotionally battered and it's just like okay i can consume the product but i'm going to consume it from over here and when you do something great i'll be like that was awesome that was really awesome but i can't I'm, i'm not i can't be tweeting i can't i can't i can't be tweeting about Dolph no more I should have known with Velveteen, it might get dicey. You know, I can't, I can't be out here. I can't. I got to let go and let God. One last thing, because we really do. We have been talking wrestling for over an hour. Got to yeah. head out. Got to enjoy our days. But yes. uh, one last thing I want to say, I want to give praise to Matt Rillo and Xavier Woods having a great match. I think other podcasts and internet wrestling community has touched on, has given them their flowers, but we should add, add to the list. They just had a banger match on Raw. Pretty much the only thing I remember from Raw, to be honest. Uh, Riddle is, boy, oh boy, oh boy, is he a special talent, man. I He might be, he's, again, right up there as as far as, again, I think uh, Randy Orton said, he reminds me of Kurt Angle, who yeah. maybe, you know, both of our favorites wrestlers yeah. ever, and I think he's up there, man, as far as just both having an entertaining character yeah. uh, and, and amazing in ring, both from story time perspective, yeah. from legit fighter perspective, from a smooth moose and technically sound perspective, just overall yeah. incredible guy. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a beast. He's a beast. And Xavier Woods as well. Don't sleep on yes. Xavier. Yep. Xavier has been so slept on, incredibly talented performer. Uh, and a lot of y'all don't even know that he tore his Achilles. The guy's amazing. 
Uh, Xavier Woods, just a victim of having, of being with uh, Big E, maybe the most charismatic, and again, one of the just incredible, just a star in Big E, yeah. and uh, just a, 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 a another super talented, you know, a veteran. You know, when when they linked up and uh, Kofi Kingston, the pool. Yeah, the the basic right. Kofi Kingston, like the Ricky Steamboat of WWE, <laughs> like an eternally beloved man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to get out of their shadows. So, yeah, so it was good to see him to finally do it. I think that might probably his best, top of my head, at least his best singles match ever. So, uh, yeah, just want to give him props for that. Uh, we got to get out of here. We still got to do a uh, match before that. We got to touch on because I don't think we'll be recording before that. Uh, New Japan is having a big event uh, on uh, June 7th um, where they will be crowning a new uh, world heavyweight champion. Uh, the match is between Shingo Takai, who I've lost his um, previous attempt to Will Ospreay, who had to vacate the title due to the broken neck. He's going up against uh, the current, like, can I say he's the ace of the company? I know he did. That's not the guy with a nickname, but he's essentially the face. Let's put it that way. The face of New Japan. Uh, the, the Roman Reigns of New Japan, if you will. And uh, Okada, um, they are going to... I'll have a match for the world title. Also on the card, Cody Bush and Jeff Cobb, which I'm looking forward to, uh, as well as uh, for the junior heavyweight championship. Uh, well, there is Yo is challenging, I believe, El Desperado, who is the champion. Uh, yeah, again, we're running quickly. Give me your thoughts on all, all of those things. I think it'll be a. I think it'll be a great show. I think, uh, unfortunately, I would love to see Shingo get a, a moment in the sun. But I think given a lot of the, 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 the disasters with COVID that New Japan has experienced, the injuries that they have experienced, and apparently some of the rather unpopular booking decisions that they have made over the past year or so, I think, as we said before, all roads lead back to Okada. So it appears that Okada will get the title back and uh, or I guess get the title for the first time. And then, you know, we'll see if it's a if it's a if it's a 263 day run or if it's a 798 day run. Then you'll just have to sit there and 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 see. Fair enough. Um, any any thoughts on the other two matches? Or they, they'll just be good, and you know, we'll see what happens. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be good. I mean, I'm not I'm not particularly emotionally invested in either one of those matches, but I think the performers on them are excellent, and I think they'll have excellent uh, performances. And then maybe maybe something will pull me in with that. But on paper, I just think I'll just watch it because I'm just like, I will. <laughs> so we'll see what comes of that. Fair enough. And now we got to do have to get out of here. Unfortunately, John Cena's Instagram will have to wait yet another week for us to have a comment on it and, and go and fully do a deep dive that it deserves. Uh, match of the week. Satoyo, let, let yes. the people know your recommendation. My match, my match of the week you can easily find on ROH, on Ring of Honor Wrestling. It'll be a throwback from War of the Worlds 2017, where you have Jay White versus Will Ospreay. That's an excellent match. Um, it's excellent also to see who they were a mere four years ago. It's an excellent, fun match, and uh, please check it out. Excellent recommendation. With all the talks of New New Japan WWE, I figured I would recommend a match between a New Japan legend and a, a WWE legend as well as NWA and WCW legend. Uh, G1 Climax 1992 final. We had a match between Masahiro Chono and Rick mm-hmm. Rude. Yes, uh, yes. Rick in Japan is... As good as he was in WWE, recruiting Japan really shines as a technical wrestler. People always remember him as a great heel gimmick, but kind of underrated, I think, as a pure tech technician wrestler. Very uh, much and so. You really, really get to see how good he is. Uh, Masahiro Chono, 
I think because he happens to be in the same generation as KG Muller, who was a little bit more crowd exciting, yeah. uh, gets a little bit overlooked, but boy, was he could go. And they have a really, really entertaining half an hour match. that does not feel like half an hour. Yeah, um, and that was the match. That know. was for the NWA title, wasn't it? That's right. That uh, was, it yeah. was, it was the G1 Comics for the yep. NWA Heavyweight Championship. Yep, that was awesome. That was That's an excellent pick, Mike. Awesome. Thank you, thank you. So please check it out. Uh, I know, yeah, and if you have stuck with us through the end, thank you so much for, uh, I know we, we went long, but hey, Double or Nothing was fantastic. There was yes. a lot of news to talk about. We had to acknowledge everything. There's a lot happening in wrestling. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy wrestling. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, so, Toyo, do you want to you have any plugs, anything you want to say to the people before we get out of here? Remember to drink water, and if you got good parents, text them and let them know that you love them. Peace.